Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. This episode features the first two chapters of Out of Time by Kathy Stoller. It's read by local actor Ian Jones. Out of Time was published by Black Opal Books in November of 2019 and is available for purchase. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, listen for details at the end of this episode on how to become a patron and get some great stuff. Out of Time is the second book in the Nick Donahue Adventure series. In the first book, Nick of Time, Nick is playing blackjack in Venice when he meets a beautiful woman, Marina Di Pietro, who is in desperate need of help and is soon embroiled in a whirlwind of mystery and intrigue. Out of Time continues Nick and Marina's adventures when they're hired by billionaire Adnan bin Haddad to protect his thoroughbred racehorse from death threats. As they travel from New York to Dubai to Kentucky and back, they encounter terrorists and the ultimate weapon of mass destruction, who Nick knows he must stop before it's too late. Just ask Marina. If you want to know how I wound up tethered like a sacrificial goat to a flimsy spire swaying in the wind on top of the world's tallest building, maybe she can explain it. Probably tell you I had a special knack for getting into trouble, and she'd be right. From where I stood, the Arabian Gulf looked like a giant swimming pool. The water shimmered in a sensuous ripple, its surface blue and sparkling tinged with golden light from the afternoon sun beating down from above a sight that normally would have drawn a wow if I hadn't believed it would be one of my last. A half mile below, people scurried in and out of streets and buildings like the streams of black-bodied ants they resembled. Not one of them poked a nose into the air and noticed the man far above struggling against his bonds. Had the citizens of Dubai become so used to the bird Khalifa in their midst they didn't even glance at it anymore? (laughs) Seemed so. The people who put me here hadn't even bothered to gag me. I could scream all I wanted and not a soul would hear. The Salafi thought I was their insurance, like a blackjack player protecting his bet while hedging that the dealer has 21. They already had what they wanted, at least I thought so. Believe me, I was scared. Being trussed up and hung above the city was just the beginning. They were waiting to make sure the other player hadn't pulled a switch. Either way, I was sure they'd kill me. I wasn't going to be the one to tell him I thought he had that what would happen if he had given in would be unthinkable. The sun had almost dropped below the horizon, the water turning cool and steely, the wind picking up and creating ripples along its surface. After hours under a blazing sun, a night up here when the desert turned frigid was going to be even more brutal. Shivers ran up my spine just imagining it. I tucked my chin towards my chest and tried to conjure up warm thoughts. It wasn't working. All that came to mind was Marina. Her green eyes wide with surprise, then anger as that big black Glock pushed into her. Watching as they led me away, dumped me in the car, and drove off. My anger had been the equal of hers, my mind reeling with thoughts of what they might be doing to her. Was it possible she'd escaped and made it back to Adnan's villa? Or was she still in their clutches, desperate in some blistering desert wadi? The fear came later when they put me up here. This was actually Marina's case. I'd just come along to keep her company, to be a sounding board when she needed one. Then, before I knew it, I was smack in the middle of things. So, if you want to know how this happened, I'm not sure either one of us could tell you. I just hope we'd live long enough to try. Chapter 2. New York, 
one month ago. We were in New York. Our troubles with the bank and the mob behind us, helping my brother Alex and his fiancée Simone prepare for their upcoming wedding. I was taking a few weeks off from playing blackjack at the casinos. Gambling professionally was the way I earned my living. Marina, who I'd met when she was working undercover for MI6 and had roped me into helping her, had left the agency for good and set up her own investigative firm. There were several prenup celebrations scheduled before the big day. I was the best man, and Marina was the maid of honor. Simone had no family to speak of, just an uncle on a remote farm in a tiny Swiss village. She had adopted our family as her own, and the feeling was reciprocated. I couldn't have been happier for Alex. He deserved to have this tall, beautiful, and brave woman by his side, and as much happiness as he could get, especially after what he'd been through. While the bride and her minions were slated for a few days of high-end shopping and luxurious spa treatments before Saturday's nuptials, I invited a few of Alex's school buddies for a bachelor party excursion to Atlantic City. Since I'd been living in London, I came back to New York infrequently and hadn't played blackjack at Atlantic City for a long time. With so many of the casinos closing or tottering on the brink, I didn't want to waste the opportunity to try my luck on native soil. But no. There's always one spoil sport in the bunch. Her name was Mother. Our Mother. Atlantic City, she exclaimed and gave me the look when I attempted to explain my plan. You know the one. Chin tilted up, eyes looking heavenward, head shaking from side to side. The one reserved for inattentive store clerks, difficult spouses, recalcitrant children, which, in her eyes, Alex and me still were. Well, why would you want to go there? It's so... She paused, desperately seeking the right word. Tacky. It popped out of her mouth, and she smiled as though she'd uncovered the codes to an Iranian missile base. Uh, besides, your father has planned a lovely celebration for you boys at his club tonight. Now she tossed in the other look. Head tilted down, eyes half closed with sadness and a shrug of her shoulders. He'd never say it himself, but he'll be very disappointed if you don't go. He's so looking forward to it. This was the first I'd heard of it. Dad hadn't said a word, and he'd had plenty of opportunity to mention it. I was wondering just whose plan it was exactly. Now that Mom had us all back in the nest, she wasn't going to let us fly away so easily, even for just a few days. I may not have mentioned my dad before. His presence tends to be a bit overshadowed by you-know-who. He's a great guy, tall and handsome, with dark gray eyes and streaks of silver in his dark brown hair that give him a distinguished air. Alex and I both favored him. He's very patient, as you can imagine. Tough in business, he's an investment banker, but warm and giving and everything else. What could we do? We gave in, of course. Well, Alex did, and poked me in the ribs until I agreed. Sure, it was easy for him to do. I'm the one who'd have to cancel the limo and call his friends and inform them the booze, babes, and bad behavior were off the table. We'd all be convening for a rollicking evening at the New York Founders Club instead. Big whoop. Good. Now that that's all settled. I could see Mom mentally ticking off one more thing from her to-do list. I'm sure you'll have fun, boys, she tossed over her shoulder as she breezed out of the room. Your father said to meet him at the club at seven. I wouldn't put it past her to have arranged the whole evening on her own. Now she'd call Dad and tell him we'd suggested getting together at the Founders, if it was okay with him. I gave Alex a look of my own. The one that said, We've been played by a master. 
Mom, Simone, and Marina went off to be pampered, pummeled, and padded while I made my calls and my excuses for switching venues. I couldn't very well tell these men my mom made me do it. I'd never live it down. Since Alex and I now had the whole day to kill before meeting Dad, we decided to do some pre-wedding shopping. He and Simone were planning to honeymoon on a private island off the coast of Spain. A friend of Dad's and a partner at the bank, Bart Phillips, had offered his villa to them as a wedding present. Believe me, he didn't have to ask twice. I, on the other hand, still hadn't figured out what to get them, and time was running out. The wedding was on Saturday, only three days away. Marina told me it would come to me. I'd find the perfect gift. Well, I think that crystal ball she gazed into must have been a little cloudy, since I couldn't think of a thing Alex and Simone wanted or needed other than each other. I put it out of my mind as we hit Gordon's department store. It was one of New York's most upscale emporiums, with crystal chandeliers lighting the burnished wood and glass showcases and the polished Italian marble floors. We'd been shopping here since we were kids. Alex and I used to hide under the racks filled with boys' pants and jackets while Mom picked out our school clothes. She'd be calling our names, and of course, <laughs> we didn't answer. We just started cracking up instead, until one of the salesmen separated the clothes that concealed us, gave us a wink, and motioned us out. Here they are, Mrs. Donahue, he smiled as he handed us over. He had to be nice to her. <laughs> we didn't. But we were big boys now, at least chronologically, and should try to behave that way. Alex pretty much needed a whole new wardrobe and a suit for the wedding. He'd left London with the only clothes he had on when we hightailed it out of Switzerland. He couldn't just call Swiss Bank and ask them to forward his things from the Zurich villa he'd been living in. Uh, not that they'd oblige, even if we hadn't ruined their business and made sure their chairman was rotting away in prison. The Swiss are funny about things like that. All the old salesmen I remembered from Gordon's were gone, probably retired years ago. The new guys looked more like customers than help in their Armani and Tom Ford suits. These duds carried a hefty price tag, and I wondered how they could afford to dress so well, even with an employee discount. Maybe I should give up gambling and go into retail instead. I was suave, and I dressed well. I could charm the pants off, or in this case, on customers, couldn't I? In the men's department, Alex explained he needed everything from the underwear on out. His salesman's eyes lit up like a slot machine pouring out a jackpot with a win on the max line. Today was going to be a good day for him. I left Alex in his hands and sat down at the men's lounge with a steaming cappuccino, a freebie, and thrown in with the several thousand dollars we were spending, and thought about how lucky we all were to have made it home alive. If I never saw Mr. Tommaso Tommy B. Bonaneo and his henchmen again, it would be too soon. The ten million I handed over to them in Monte Carlo marked that adventure as paid and done. At least as far as I was concerned. A chill inched down my spine. Could Tommy B. somehow know I was in New York and come calling? Then there was Florian Eminger, the former head of Swiss Bank. Emphasis on former, now ruined banker who was serving a good long sentence for murder, fraud, money laundering, and other offenses too numerous to mention. I wondered if the Swiss were as meticulous about locking up their prisoners as they were about locking away their money. Either way, I was going to be gone from Switzerland for a long time. Come on, Nick. That's all behind you now, I thought. No one's going to come looking for you. Those days are over. This reading of Out of Time was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Hamm. 
You can learn more about this book and the author on her website, kathystoller.com. Check out Kings River Life Magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more, kingsriverlife.com and krlnews.com. Our theme song, The Blues, was written and played by Kevin Memley. If you'd like to help us to be able to continue to bring more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Become a patron and get some great perks. You know, even a dollar a month can make a difference. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble, so check the show notes for the link. We'll be back next time with another mystery. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter to get special interviews with the authors of the podcast stories. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it, as this helps make us easier for others to find. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery. Mystery.